What a Day is brought to you by Ulta Beauty. This AAPI Heritage Month, Ulta Beauty is celebrating the joy of belonging, belonging to a community composed of intricate connections, belonging to our past and our future, to the heritage and birthright that is beauty. Ulta Beauty shines a light on the AAPI community, passing the mic to brand founders and creators to tell their stories centered on heritage, joy, and beauty. They carry AAPI-owned and founded brands like Live Tinted, Peach and Lily, Glamnetic, Tree Hut, and more. Shop AAPI-owned and founded brands at Ulta Beauty Stores and Ulta.com. It's Friday, September 2nd. I'm Travel Anderson. And I'm Erin Ryan. And this is What A Day, where we're preparing to beat the heat this holiday weekend by frantically texting anyone we've ever met who has a pool. Mrs. Bush, my student government teacher from back in the day, has a fabulous pool. Can I come over? <laughs> She's in South Carolina. Can I come over? <laughs> On today's show, a UN report accuses China of committing crimes against humanity against Muslim Uyghurs. Plus, new federal data shows how the pandemic impacted school learning for young kids. But first, Labor Day weekend is coming up. It's a great time to enjoy some time off from work, but also to celebrate workers in the U.S. And as we know, there's been a lot going on in the American workforce. We're still navigating a pandemic. An economic recession could be on the horizon. When is it not? (laughs) And so much more. Yeah, and we've seen in recent months what workers are capable of when they come together and fight for better working conditions. You might remember this huge victory from earlier this year when Amazon warehouse workers in Staten Island, New York, voted to form a union, the first in the company's history. Also gave us the gift that is Chris Smalls, who is so cool. Absolutely. Their victory inspired so many other workers to stand up to their employers, some of whom also work for equally big evil corporations. We've seen workers at Starbucks, Trader Joe's, and even Apple organize for better wages, working conditions, and more. While not all of these efforts have been successful so far, the momentum we're seeing right now is proof that there's been a huge shift in attitudes toward labor. Absolutely. So to check in on the state of the American workforce, I spoke to U.S. Labor Secretary Marty Walsh. He actually used to be a labor union leader himself before entering politics. I started by asking him what he and the Biden administration are doing to keep this momentum going and support workers who want to unionize. We're encouraging employers to recognize and respect the wishes and desires of their employees. Number one, the president's been very clear on that. We're launching Know Your Rights campaign here at the Department of Labor. So if workers want to find out about collective bargaining, what it means, how do you organize, people will get a chance to go on the website and look at it to see what's going on. As a person who grew up in the labor movement, uh, it's exciting to see the interest and the activism out there. What's beautiful about it is seeing young people that have no connection to organized labor that are out there organizing. They just know that there's power in collective organizing. And that power means bringing more, more voices to the table. And what's interesting is they're not organizing necessarily over wages. They're organizing over work conditions, life balance, respect, I think that we're going to see more and more organizing going on in this country. And we have more interest this year in union organizing today than we did all of last year. 
So there's a few different topics I want to ask you questions about. So I'm going to hopscotch around to a few different things. I want to start with this kind of recurring idea that we keep hearing that no one wants to work, right? We know that from the July jobs report that more than half a million people were added to payrolls that month, which seems like a stat that to me like contradicts that sentiment. But I'd love to hear from you. Where is this idea that people are not interested in working coming from? People aren't staying out of work because they're unemployment check or they're not staying out of work because they got all this money during COVID. They weren't given millions of dollars. They were given a couple hundred bucks a month. You know, people are going through their savings now. So uh, once they go through their savings and they don't have revenue coming in, they're going to have to go to work. I think there's a part of our population that is still concerned about COVID-19 and they're concerned about their personal health. There's no question about that. Then you have folks that are leaving employment, going to other employments, looking for better opportunities. Uh, and they're getting paid more and they're being respected more. And I think companies that are being creative with recruiting employees are getting those folks to come and work for their companies. There are other people out there that don't know how to access a good paying job. And I think that we look at the unemployment rate in the country right now, it's 3.5%. You look in the black unemployment is 5.7%. So historically, the black unemployment rate's always been high in the white unemployment rate. So that means that we're not doing something right. So I think that people are starting to become creative on creating those pathways. I feel like anecdotally for so many people that I know, it's not that they don't want to work, but that the last couple years of a racial reckoning of the pandemic that forced all of us to work from home has kind of like just changed their idea of the type of work they want to do, the type of work that they're willing to do, right? And so in that process, folks, their understanding of the proper work, like what work should look like, has just changed. And so I'm wondering, like, how does such a fundamental shift in people's understanding of work impact these conversations we're having about labor shortages from your vantage point? You're absolutely right. So let's go back in time. March of 2020, everything got shut down. Several months later, we had demonstrations all across America in the aftermath of George Floyd getting killed. If you watch the signs in the streets, it wasn't just about police injustice. It was about jobs. It was about racism. It was about discrimination. It was about housing. You're right. It was a reckoning. And I think that cities and employers paid attention to that. And then as time went on, we kind of went back into the regular daily routine that we do every day. I think between what happened with COVID and still with COVID, and then what happened with the demonstrations around the country, that's still in people's minds. And I think that moving forward, there's a new term now. It's not great resignation anymore. It's quits, short-term quits or whatever it's called. You have people leaving their job looking for better opportunities. They're working long hours. They want to make sure the work-life balance is good. They want to make sure they're respected in the job site. They want to make sure that they paid the same amount of money. Women are still underpaid compared to men doing the same job. Latino unemployment rate is not quite double of the white unemployment, but it's still there. There's still a lot of concern in the workplace. And I think that we have an opportunity to really address the discrimination, the shortfalls, creating opportunities to the middle class. If we don't get it right this time, then unfortunately, 20 years from now, there are going to be people on this podcast having the same conversation about we have to change the way we do business. That has to happen. That has to happen right now. People want that. People are demanding that. You kind of mentioned this earlier. I think this is the term you were looking for, quiet quitting. That's is, what it is. Yeah, is, quiet quitting. Sorry. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's a, a new term, right, to describe what I think is like a persistent way that people show up at work, which is like doing the bare minimum, not going above and beyond the call of duty, etc. You know, 
there are op-eds and so many different articles out there now talking about how this quote-unquote trend might impact the economy. I'm wondering from your vantage point, knowing what you know about this alleged trend, is doing the least at work really going to bring down the whole economy? No, I don't think it'll bring down the whole economy, but I also think that for workers and for employers, I think it's important to have the conversations about what the feeling in the workplace is. I think if you're an employer and you're not talking to your employees today, uh, after what's gone on the last couple of years, you're missing a huge opportunity. The CEOs that are having dialogue with their employees, the CEOs that are concerned about their employees' mental health, a lot of struggles, right, mental health, you're not seeing them have problems hiring people. You're not hearing them have problems retaining people. It's the companies that aren't necessarily talking that are just thinking about the bottom line. But you also got to remember, you don't get that bottom line unless you respect your employees. And I think that by having those dialogues, it's so important. When you have a workforce that respects and appreciates the mission of the company or respects, appreciates the people they work with every day, that's where you retain people. And we can't talk about all of this without, you know, mentioning that R word, uh, recession. There's been a lot of concerns, a lot of talk about whether we are heading in that direction. Based on what you're seeing at this point, what you're hearing from businesses, where do you see things heading as it relates to a recession? I'm not sold on heading to a recession. And if we are, I'm not sold on high unemployment numbers. Because I think that there are lots of industry in America right now that are looking for people to work in, that there's an opportunity to help direct people in those areas. One is cybersecurity. You have mechanical, electrical engineers. We have an opportunity in nursing. Those industries aren't going away. So I think what we have to do is make sure we're preparing workers that if their industry slows down, we have the right supports in there to help people train into new industry. I'm less concerned about a recession today. My focus really is about how do we do a better job with reaching people where they're at? How do we get people into those better jobs? That was my conversation with the Labor Secretary, Marty Walsh. Let's get to some headlines. Headlines. Authorities released body cam footage this week from a deadly encounter between a Columbus police officer and an unarmed black man. 20-year-old Donovan Lewis was asleep in his bed early Tuesday morning when officers arrived at his apartment to serve him with an arrest warrant. In the video, you can see one of them go into Lewis's bedroom where he was fatally shot while he was still in bed. Columbus Police Chief Elaine Bryant told reporters that Lewis appeared to have something in his hand when the officer shot him, but in reality, it was just a vape pen. Lewis's death has reignited outrage toward the Columbus Police Department following a string of other fatal shootings of unarmed Black residents. The officer who shot Lewis is currently on administrative leave and the Ohio Bureau of Criminal Investigations is currently investigating the shooting. In the meantime, an attorney for Lewis's family said yesterday they may take legal action against that officer. A new UN human rights report released Wednesday accused China of committing serious human rights violations against Uyghur Muslims. This long-awaited assessment had been delayed for nearly a year because the Chinese government has long denied any wrongdoing against that ethnic minority and lobbied against the report's release. 
And for a few weeks, it actually wasn't even clear whether it was going to be published or not. But the report managed to come out just 10 minutes before the UN High Commissioner's term ended. The 48-page report validates previous claims by human rights activists, alleging that China detained Uyghurs and other Muslim minority groups for religious and cultural differences. One former detainee interviewed by the UN said their time in custody, quote, would amount to torture, which is horrible. Unfortunately, it's unlikely that the report will make any difference because the Chinese government would have to be fully on board to accept the report's recommendations, and that seems unlikely right now. Newly released data shows that the effects of COVID led to serious learning setbacks for American grade schoolers. Specifically, average test scores for reading and math among nine-year-olds fell dramatically, and the decline was especially sharp for students of color. According to the National Center for Education Statistics, which conducted the research, the effects of school shutdowns and other pandemic-related disruptions erased two decades of progress in those subjects. Ugh, experts fear it might take an entire generation for test scores to rebound, and that could have a domino effect on student success and ultimately hurt their job prospects later in life. An update to the story about SCOTUS wife Jenny Thomas emailing 29 Arizona state lawmakers and encouraging them to overturn the 2020 election results in their state. It turns out she sent identical emails to two state lawmakers in Wisconsin as well. The existence of the Arizona emails was reported by the Washington Post in June, but the more recent ones were revealed only yesterday. In her message, Thomas pushed legislators to choose new presidential electors in order to, quote, fight back against fraud, which we know there was none. But as we know, Jenny's husband, Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas, is able to do his job impartially because they don't talk or communicate and maybe haven't even met each other. What do you think an email from Jenny Thomas would look like? I'm picturing. Remember early web Uh chain email, (laughs) like from 1997, when you would get an email and it was like, forward this to 20 people. Otherwise, you're going to have bad luck. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Anyway, the actress Leah Michelle is putting some rumors to rest before her debut in the Broadway show Funny Girl next Tuesday. In a profile with the New York Times, she dismissed allegations that she bullied her castmates on the set of Glee, while admitting that she had, quote, blind spots caused by perfectionism. Mm. But how perfect are you really if your coworkers say you're racist? Michelle also responded to a rumor that's maybe harder to believe, that she can't read. (laughs) Internet detectives based this theory on pictures of Michelle signing books, but her pen isn't touching the paper, among other things. In yesterday's profile, Michelle said she knew her lines every day on Glee and said of the illiteracy rumors, quote, I think often if I were a man, a lot of this wouldn't be the case. Interesting. You know what she didn't say? (laughs) She didn't say, I can read. And speaking of women in entertainment, we've got an update on what's coming next from the mayor of movies herself, Nicole Kidman. If you're a fan of AMC theaters, these nine words have a permanent home in your subconscious mind. Somehow, heartbreak feels good in a place like this. (laughs) Well, they play in a Kidman-fronted ad for the theater chain before every single movie. We've talked before on this show about the follow-up, which was teased earlier in the month, but an article published yesterday in Vanity Fair gave us more info. Apparently, it will be written by screenwriter Billy Ray, who also wrote the first post, 
Before that, he trained himself to envision Nicole Kidman watching Jurassic Park by writing Captain Phillips, The Hunger Games, and Volcano. And according to Ray, they're not just going back to the well. He said, quote, it's a very, very different approach that is a little bit of a wink to the one we've already done. I really hope it is Nicole Kidman watching a screen and she says, wow, this sucks. Pull back to reveal. <laughs> She's watching the commercial where she says, somehow heartbreak feels good in a place like this. Oh, so good. That imitation. You should go Thank on the you. road with that. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I definitely will. <laughs> and those are the headlines. We'll be back after some ads to reflect on what swiping right has done to our brains after 10 long, long years. What a day is brought to you by Books. This Mother's Day, give mom her flowers. She absolutely deserves the best. And that's why you should send her farm fresh flowers from Books. That's short for bouquets. Books has modern designs and unique flowers you can't find anywhere else. And with 20% off, you can send some to mom, your wife, your auntie, even your granny, okay? Anyone who deserves flowers in your life Mm -hmm. doesn't have to be holiday specific. You get flowers, you're getting flowers, everyone's (laughs) getting flowers. Go to books.com and use promo code WAD for 25% off. That is B-O-U-Q-S dot com, promo code WAD, books, promo code WAD. What a Day is brought to you by Fast Growing Trees. Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers. They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Plus, Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. We love fast-growing trees here. I keep telling you that the many plants that I've gotten from these folks are yet hanging on. Um, And that's not because I have a green thumb, okay? This spring, fast-growing trees, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code WAD at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com using the code WAD at checkout. Fastgrowingtrees.com, code WAD. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Therapy is great for, you know, you know that thing that just is like sitting on your shoulder, you can't get over it, and you just sometimes need somebody to talk through it with? Therapy can be helpful for that, you all, okay? You got to get it off your chest, you know? And you can do that with BetterHelp. So visit BetterHelp.com slash WAD today to get 10% off your first month. That's 10% off your first month at BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash WAD. It's Friday, Wad Squad, and for today's Tim Check, we're talking about the app that revolutionized dating by making it slightly more shallow. 
Tinder. Tinder came out in September 2012, which means we're about to mark 10 years with the app. It inspired imitators like Hinge and Bumble, putting what felt like every hot single person on earth inside our phones, plus a few who only said they were single. But let the record show that Grindr came first in 2009. Thank you very much. The gays are always <laughs> leading the way. Everyone's decade with apps like Tinder has been different. A survey in 2020 found that 57% of people who tried dating apps described their experience positively, while a more recent survey of 500 people found that nearly 80% had experienced emotional burnout or fatigue while online dating. So Aaron, as we reflect on this super important anniversary, what are your thoughts? I'm going to go ahead and say I never had Tinder. Mm. Never. But I did meet my husband on OkCupid. Oh, wow. Now we have a kid. So I think the cynical take is like, oh, dating sucks, dating sucks, dating sucks. But I think that what Tinder and, and other apps have done has made people realize that actually it's possible to be happy by yourself. Mm. You don't need a partner to complete you. If you find a person who does complete you, great, awesome, excellent. But also you don't need one and you don't need to waste your time looking for one because there's just so much trash out there. Like mm. Tinder is a fire hose of trash. And before Tinder, it was like a conveyor belt. Now I think people are just sort of like, no, I'm avoiding the trash altogether, which I think is an ultimately good thing. I don't know. How about you? Fire hose of trash. That should be their new tagline. First of all, <laughs> love that. Tinder has done nothing but cause harm and pain and strife in my life, okay? <laughs> oh, that rhymed. Look at me, I should be a poet. It's a cesspool is what it is, right? You get on this app and you're swiping and you're swiping and swiping. Half of the people on there, they're just collecting likes. They don't really want to go on dates. They don't really want to find their partner in life, right? <laughs> they just playing games, okay? I don't know about you, Aaron, but I'm telling well, you have a partner and a child, so lucky you. <laughs> I may need to try okay cute i was thinking about christian mingle and then i was like mm, i have some issues <laughs> i feel like the challenge with dating apps is standing out and mm. you would stand out on christian mingle <laughs> you think yeah people would be like i will never forget this profile that i just saw on christian mingle i bet that farmers only would be a place you could really make a splash during the time that i was app dating mm -hmm. it was sort of like there's just a lot of bad stuff out here. I don't like it. I would rather just like be at home with my cat and uh, found something that was passable. And now here I am. You know, I will just say that most of the people that I know who have found a partner on these apps, it's not through Tinder. And I'll just leave you with that. Okay. <laughs> We've checked our temps. They're a little lukewarm. Okay. Maybe a little spicy. Okay. Like a, a gazpacho. <laughs> a gazpacho with like some red pepper oil in it. And mm. you're like, oh, <laughs> this is like more than I expected from a gazpacho. Yet still room temperature. I love that for both of us. <laughs> Before we go, monkeypox is rarely fatal and hardly new, yet the response to the virus has been too slow to contain the epidemic, and official communication about it hasn't helped. 
Andy Slavitt, President Biden's former senior COVID advisor, joins Crooked's Positively Dreadful to shed more light on how political pressures can warp decision making in these kinds of crises. Listen to new episodes of Positively Dreadful every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. And one more thing, Wad is taking a break for the Labor Day weekend. Oh, yes, we are to either spend some time in pools or be disappointed by our friends who are hoarding their pools. We'll be back with a new episode on Wednesday, September 7th. That is all for today. If you like the show, make sure you subscribe, leave a review, super like us on Tinder, and tell your friends to listen. And if you are into reading and not just the script to Nicole Kidman's next AMC commercial like me, What a Day is also a nightly newsletter. Check it out and subscribe at crooked.com slash subscribe. I'm Erin Ryan. I'm Travel Anderson. And, and thanks, thanks for 10, 10 years, years Tinder. Tinder. 10 years of nothing. Literally nothing. I don't have Tinder. <laughs> I've never had Tinder. Lucky you. I know. Lucky you. What a Day is a production of Crooked Media. It's recorded and mixed by Bill Lance. Jazzy Marine and Raven Yamamoto are our associate producers. Our head writer is John Milstein, and our executive producer is Lita Martinez. Our theme music is by Colin Gilliard and Kashaka. Ready for a new and exciting career challenge? At DHL Supply Chain, you're part of a team committed to creating innovative solutions for some of the biggest brands in the world. We're recognized as a best place to work, where people are valued, supported, and respected. DHL Supply Chain is hiring for a wide range of salaried operational and functional roles. Previous experience in logistics is welcome, but not required. All opportunities, no boundaries. DHL Supply Chain. Apply today at joindhl.com.